Blog Talk Radio. This is the Light of Truth Radio broadcast with Michael Boldea. All right, welcome to the program and thank you for joining us. This is the Light of Truth Radio broadcast. I am your host, Michael Boldea. And as always, it is my pleasure to welcome you this day. Uh, As has become customary, we have a tendency of letting you know when we are recording the program. And yes, we are recording the program, although today is January the 20th, the year of our Lord, 2022. Uh, It's still a couple of hours before it's supposed to air. Uh, Promised my kids I'd make them some drumsticks. So uh, I'm on cooking duty tonight. Um, If uh, current events were not so uh, jam-packed, I probably would have had Gino play a recording uh, because uh, I spent pretty much all day yesterday on the road. Uh, Me and my brother Daniel went to uh, our uncle's wake. He passed on to his reward. Uh, We left the house. uh, Well, I left the house at 4 o'clock in the morning. Uh, Daniel shortly thereafter because I drove to his place uh, and then uh, we, we got back uh, around uh, 10 and change I guess uh, last night couldn't get to bed till really late because uh, of the situation at hand uh, it's always a difficult thing uh, to, to lose a loved one to lose a relative uh, even though we know what we know regarding eternity regarding uh, the resurrection of the dead, and all the things that go along with being believers. Um, I've decided that I despise the word goodbye uh, yesterday. Uh, the word goodbye is, is blunt and callous uh, and is unnecessarily cruel uh, because there's a finality in the word goodbye that contradicts the fundamental beliefs of the resurrection. And so uh, even though uh, I've often joked that Romanian is a meat and potatoes sort of language, uh, our word for goodbye is actually more apropos when it comes to um, the definition thereof or what we mean by it than uh, the English word for it. So uh, in Romanian... We don't have goodbye as finality. Uh, Our goodbye is more until we meet again. So, um, yeah, it was uh, was hard. Um, Cried a little bit. uh, Said a few words. Uh, I I knew my uncle very well uh, when I was younger. We spent a lot of time in Romania together. Uh, He used to drive uh, my grandfather and myself and the family around when we first started going back to Romania. So uh, it's a loss that is... uh, deeply felt, but we all know what we sign up for uh, when we enter this world uh, screaming at the top of our lungs. We are here but for a season. It is a temporary respite. It is not by any means um, our end goal or destination. It is something that we experience Uh, And in the grand scheme of eternity, um, it's a blink of an eye. So, uh, yeah, if if things hadn't, uh, it's just a mile a minute. If if, if things hadn't just come up the way uh, that they have in the last 24 to 36 hours, I probably would have punted today's program. Uh, I I am tired, but we're going to get through it because, oh boy, oh boy, is there a lot to talk about. Now, uh, before I get into it, uh, let me just say if uh, you're easily offended, if you lack a sense of humor, perhaps, mayhaps, I would submit that this is not the show for you. But uh, if you can take a joke, if you can uh, look at the morbid state of the world and uh, not break down uh, and just shrug your shoulders and go, yep pretty much what I expected, uh, then uh, tag along for the next uh, 50-odd minutes uh, because we have a lot of things to get to. Uh, I I could just title the rest of this hour uh, American Prophetic because uh, 
everything we've been talking about for the last, what, six months or so uh, is, is beginning to come to fruition. Uh, it's, uh, if, if somebody, uh, I, I know they had this school of prophecy. Well, this is prophecy university 2.0 kids. Uh, because if I were to be one of those individuals who, uh, you know, pointed to the things they said previously and say, look how right I was, uh, I'd get a lot of people going, oh my goodness, look how gifted. But look, that's, come on. Uh, we're not, we're not going to do that. What, what is prophetic is prophetic. I believe in prophecy. I reiterate this every week because I get a lot of blowback. But some things are worthy of mockery by their very existence, like the lady with the pink hair or the guy uh, that, that looks like an extra from the dawn of the dead in a leather jacket that considers himself to be a prophet. But I'm, I'm immediately, just off the cuff, skeptical of anyone that has the word prophet or apostle in their name or that introduces themselves as prophet or apostle. So let me just say that. I, I understand that, you know, uh, the Bible needs a little revision. So we went from, you know, freely you receive, uh, freely give to, you know, freely you receive, but monetize it if you can. Uh, but some people choose not to. You know, I, I go, go to my Venmo and my Patreon, follow me on Twitter and Instagram, so that you will know the latest from the mouth of the Lord. Come on, I, I don't have any of those things. I don't ask you for a nickel. But um, I will tell you the truth, even if it puts us at odds. Uh, because the things that were foreseen, before they materialized, are now materializing. And, and, and many Christians, many believers, uh, still are not getting it. So, uh, allow me to sip from my delicious beverage, and we're going to get into American Prophetic, the week in prophecy. I know, see, I can even do that semi-bass voice where you go, wow, that's anointed. It's not. It's just the treble in your voice. Uh, uh, Anointed is uh, being shown something, you know, three, four decades out and it coming to pass and you having the strength of character and having the strength of the knowledge of the depth of your relationship with God to actually verbalize that which you were shown when you were shown it and stand by it even when the years drag on and what God showed you doesn't happen for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, when people start to mock you and you get letters in the mail, I trusted you and it didn't happen. Never gave a timeline. Other people slap dates on it because, hey, it makes for good video sales. Now it's DVD sales, I guess. I don't know. But never gave a timeline. However... Uh, things are beginning to fall into place, are they not? So allow me to sit for my delicious beverage, and uh, we're going to go into the three-pronged approach of uh, what I told you was going to happen and what we are beginning to see happening. So give me a second. The first thing is something I noticed last week, but, um, well, sort of failed to talk about because we ran out of time. But there was an incident in New York where I think it was an eight-year-old boy was dragged out by the police from an eatery because he didn't have a Vax passport. Uh, some uh, handicapped individual in a wheelchair was likewise uh, escorted out by the police because they didn't have a Vax card or whatever they called them. And we talked about this, oh, I don't know, three, four months ago. I'm sure someone will go back in the archives and find it. But we talked about this, this idea of I'm just doing my job. And how much evil somebody is capable of committing under the umbrella of I'm just doing my job. And I watched this video and uh, somebody sent it to me. I clicked play. I, I, I was, you know, paying it half a mind because I was doing other things. Uh, and then I heard the words. 
coming out of the officer's mouth. And it stopped me dead in my tracks. While, while he was pushing the wheelchair of this disabled individual out of an eatery, and people were, of course, doing nothing but filming him going, what are you doing? Leave him alone. Uh, the, the excuse, the justification, the explanation was, I'm just doing my job. Because for the longest time, especially here in America, uh, certain individuals have lived under the misconception that law enforcement would never enforce unconstitutional edicts. They felt safe to a certain extent because in their hearts they believed that cops would never do something so egregious as to drag an eight-year-old out of a restaurant because he didn't have his vaccination card, even though the vaccinated are getting sick and spreading the virus. So, now you know. I hope that illusion has been shattered forever. If you think that law enforcement is the last line of defense between you and a boxcar, you're fooling yourself. You have no line of defense other than the defense that you can muster up for yourself and your family. What was it? There, there were two cops that just got thrown off the job because while uh, they refused to respond to a robbery in progress, uh, you know, and, and sometimes you have a good reason, you know, like your partner's been shot, uh, you're, uh, you know, giving him first aid, you're, you're putting uh, pressure on the wound so he doesn't bleed out. No, these two officers were uh, busy chasing Pokemon uh, all, all over Los Angeles. Uh, they were in hot pursuit of uh, Pokemon figures on a video game. And so they thought, hey, robbery, those are a dime a dozen, but this, this we can't miss. So, I'm not, look, I'm not, I'm not trying to, just pop every balloon at once. But you have to open your eyes to the reality of the times that you're living in. Understand that this, this, this whole COVID thing was used to weed out those individuals who would have disobeyed an unconstitutional order as far as police, army, marines, whatever is concerned. This was used as a pretext to weed out all those that they deemed would disobey. And they succeeded. So now all that's left is people who will do anything they're told because they want to keep their job, they want to keep their benefits, and they want to keep their pension. And if I have to bash your head in in order for my family to eat and have the cover of, I'm just doing my job, all the better. So that's the first thing. And I, and I hit on that first because, uh, well, I didn't get to cover it last week. Now, something that happened, I believe it was in Texas, that isn't getting much play because... Uh, well, let's see. Why isn't it getting much play? Because we... How do I put it? It doesn't fit the narrative. Let's put it that way. So you all know that uh, there, there, there was a synagogue attacker. Uh, I do believe it was in Texas, yes. Uh, in, uh, it was a synagogue in Texas that this man... Uh, held some people hostage for a while. And uh, right now they've released the phone call between him and his brother uh, shortly before his death. Now, by the looks of the man, because there are pictures of him online, uh, he doesn't seem like the intelligent one in the group. If I had to establish a narrative, as it were, my presumption would be that the other guys planning things 
didn't want to let him in on the plan. And so in a fit of rage, he said to himself, I'm going to show them. I'm going to show them all. Because I, I know you're not supposed to judge a book by its cover. I'll grant you that. But this man does not have the look of a Rhodes Scholar about him. And the fact that this whole thing ended the way it did proves my thesis that he was not the smartest individual in his clique of people. But this man had a conversation with his brother shortly before he was killed. And I'm going to go into this article just a little bit because uh, Uncle Mike warned you, and he warned you repeatedly, live with the expectation of terrorist attacks on American soil because they are coming. The Texas synagogue attacker chillingly told his brother over the phone, we're coming to bleep America, to give Americans a bleeping war. In a recording of a telephone call that allegedly took place shortly before he was shot dead by the FBI, Malik Faisal Akram, ooh, three names, uh, 44, who held four people hostage at Congregation Beth Israel Synagogue in Coleyville, Texas, told his brother Gulbar, wow, who thought up of these names? I mean, Malik's all right, but Gulbar? Maybe he was the bright one in the bunch. So he told his brother Gulbar, 43, in his final phone call to his family, we are coming to bleeping America for a bleeping war. You know, he didn't say bleeping, but this is a family-friendly show. The Jewish Chronicle reports of audio recordings they claim to have acquired from a law enforcement source. I'm opening the doors for every youngster in England to enter America and bleep with them, Malik said in a recording. The terrorist made it clear that he did not want to leave the hostage situation alive. Even though a man speaking on the call uh, identifiers as his brother Gulbar tried to persuade him to give himself up while speaking to him from a police station in Blackburn. Well, you know, if he would have given himself out, he'd probably be out on bail already. I mean, the way the justice system is working, eh, 50-50 shot. It is Texas, so maybe not. But it was Houston, I think. So again, 50-50 shot. If it was California, he'd already be out on bail, you know, 100 bucks because it's California. And he would likely be suing the state of California for, uh, you know, mental distress. So, Gobar, uh, even though his name is what it is, uh, made a, a, a valid point to his brother. Surrender yourself. They will even feed you halal. If you don't know what halal is, well, you know, I can't help you. It's, it's, it's clean Arab food. So if it is halal, it is not haram. I know. I surprise you every week, don't I? So uh, to translate for you, infidels, uh, if it is clean, then it is not forbidden. And uh, I'm, I'm sure the conversation would have come up if, uh, who was it, the rabbi hadn't thrown his chair at, uh, good old uh, Malik, or Malik, because, you know, I don't want to appropriate his name and make it sound Scottish. It was not a Scottish individual. I know the FBI tried it. There is nothing, there is nothing that would make us think this was like a terrorist thing or that it was religiously motivated. Look, his name was Malik. I mean, that's not a Middle Eastern name. No, it's Malik. Yes, it was a Middle Eastern name. Apparently, uh, he, he wanted to die in glorious jihad. Eh. At least he got the die part right. 
The terrorist made it clear that he did not want to leave the hostage situation alive, even though a man speaking on the call identifies as his brother Gulbar, or should I say Gulbar, tried to persuade him to give himself up while speaking to him from a police station in Blackburn. Just pack it in, mate. You'll get a bit of time and you'll come out. See, Gulbar thought it through. It is America. They will get you out very soon. It's, it's, it's easy, man. But, you know, Malik had other plans. Uh, so, yeah, his brother's like, come on. You know they're not going to keep you long. Their prisons are overcrowded as it is. It's not like you killed anybody. Gulbar also pleaded with his brother to spare the lives of the hostages, saying, These guys you've got, they are innocent people, man. Malika Kram, however, stated clearly in the released recording that he had asked Allah for this death for two years. Uh, <laughs> Remember when we had that, that hour-long conversation about clashes of cultures? about some, uh, how some uh, cultures don't mix no matter how much we want them to or how much we, we try to force them together. For two years, for two years, Malik Akram asked Allah for this debt. And he would rather leave one day as a lion than 100 years as a jackal. Kid, you didn't live as a lion. Sorry to break the news, Malik. You died the coward that you were. You didn't even die as a jackal. You died as jackal dung. This is a quote attributed to Tipu Sultan, known as the Tiger of Masori. I love the names these people give themselves, tigers and lions. Where's the zebra and the giraffe? Are we going with an African theme here? The the, the rhinoceros of Sudan. How can you reason with these people? You think introducing them to KFC and Popeye's chicken will make them change their mind? Malik prayed for two years to Allah to die as a lion. Couldn't muster the courage to do so, but that's a different story. Like I said, he got one part right. He did. (laughs) This is a quote attributed to Tipu Sultan, known as the Tiger of Misore, who gained a reputation for fighting against British forces in India and ultimately was martyred by the British in the late 1700s. You see how even on on, on supposedly neutral sites, he was martyred by the British. He was killed in combat. That's not martyrdom. Sorry. Akram made it clear to his brother and the police, who he would have known were listening in on the call, that he would not surrender himself to them. No! I shall live as a lion for one day and not as a jackal for a hundred years. Again, sorry, Buster, you fell short of lionhood. Just saying. Yeah, I I, I think good old Allah uh, scrapped the plans for those 70 virgins for you. who has Arnold fantasies I'm going to go toe to toe with police and they can shoot me dead I'm coming home in a body bag you went toe to toe with a chair and you lost dummy you got a chair thrown at you everyone escaped and SWAT came in and they probably had time to rock paper scissors as who took the headshot. You ain't no lion. Ultimately, Akram was taken down by an FBI SWAT team after he released the hostages and refused to surrender. Again, 
Sometimes it's very difficult to teach certain people about leverage and how when you have no leverage left, you cannot make the demands. If you release the hostages, the police have no reason not to come in. I, let's, let's finish this atrocity. During the siege, the hostage taker was heard calling for the release of Al-Qaeda-linked neuroscientist Afia Siddiqui, a Pakistani national who was convicted of attempting to kill American military officers while being detained in Afghanistan, a demand which he repeated on the phone to his brother. She's in prison for 84 years. They bleeping framed her, Akram said. Aw, Akram had a crush. And he thought to himself, if I can prove myself a lion, perhaps I can win the love of this woman. Guess not, Akram. Guess not. Or is it Malik? Akram appeared to suggest that he targeted the synagogue in retaliation for America's former military presence and wars in Afghanistan. And Akram stated he wanted to force America, not Afghanistan, to have a defensive war. The terrorists suggested that Americans could not understand, would now understand his perceived suffering, saying, maybe they'll have compassion. Yeah, like lions have compassion. You're mixing up your metaphors so badly, Akram. Malik, maybe you learn to read first, huh? Maybe you open a book and you go, what is this? And somebody tells you, it is letters. The letters make words, the words make a sentence, the sentence make a story. It's beautiful, Akram. I guess nobody was there to teach him that. Akram also indicated he wanted to inspire similar attacks by setting a precedent for repercussions for American military intervention in Muslim nations. This seemed to be the main inspiration for Akram's attack as he stated he didn't give a bleep if they don't release Dr. Rafi. So he's all over the place. Anyway, Akram's dead. It is highly doubtful that Akram was the brains of the operation. We talked about this. It's coming. And I can't, I, I can't even say this is the beginning because it's not. Uh, Malik Akram was just a sad soul of far below average intelligence who saw his only way of being remembered uh, to be gunned down by American police. And like I said, you fell short of lionhood. You fell short of lionhood. But, if this was the only story uh, making the rounds, uh, eh, maybe 50-50 shot that I I would have popped on and recorded a program today. However, it is not the only story. Actually, it's uh, the least interesting story in the panoplia of stories that I've been perusing today. I know, I'm hitting the big words. Somebody just just elbowed their wife. Ethel, go get the dictionary. Let's see what panoplia means. Anyway, it means a lot. I know, I I, I have to exercise my vocabulary regularly. Uh, And uh, having a seven-year-old and a four-year-old, I don't get to do that often. Uh, our, our conversation is not uh, what one might call intellectually stimulating. So, uh, you know, sometimes when I get on here, I'll throw out a big word just for giggles and whatnot. Uh, if uh, any of you missed it, uh, last night 
and, and I missed it too because I was on the road. Uh, by that time, I was driving, I think, or my brother was driving. One of the two of us was driving. Uh, we didn't really 50-50 it because we took his car, and uh, he, he likes to drive. He likes to control. So being one who is wise, as I have gray hair in my beard, I said, drive on, little brother, drive on until you tell me otherwise. So, just an aside. Now, uh, Mr. Uh, Robinette Biden himself, after what was likely an infusion of vitamin B6 and other cocktail of energy-producing uh, uh, chemicals, decided to do a press conference. Now, even those on his side, those that were supposed to be in the bag for him, called uh, the press conference foggy and meandering. The only person that defended Mr. Robinette Biden in his press conference was uh, Mr. Carville. And if you don't know who Mr. Carville is, Imagine a skeleton that someone drapes some human skin over. That's pretty much James Carville. He's been around since the Clinton days. So you know he's a man of character and great wisdom. Uh, he's the only one who actually had the shamelessness to say that Biden was tough and he had stamina at the press conference. Was he trying to get a commercial for Viagra? Why is stamina among the things that we must uh, cling to as far as what was said last night? I'm sorry. When I'm, I'm looking at the president of the greatest nation in the world holding a, a press conference, whether or not he has stamina is inconsequential. What's more important, by far, is, is he making sense? Are the words that are coming out of his mouth logical? Again, because, like I said on previous occasions, the reason I tell you the date that the program airs is for posterity, so you can go back, and when I say, I told you so, you can find it and go, oh, wow, he really did tell us so. Maybe I should join the prophetic university for four ninety nine ninety nine. That's right, American prophetic. I told you. We would do nothing in regards to Ukraine. And I had people push back and go, oh, we're going to defend them, man. They're allies. How, how can we not defend the Ukraine? And, and whenever I'd get those emails, the only thought that would pop through my head was the line from a movie I saw at one point. And the line was this, you will do nothing because you can do nothing. And that's pretty much where we are right now. We will do nothing because we can do nothing. But not to be outdone by the pessimism that is universally shared regarding his intellect, Mr. Robinette Biden decided that not doing anything wasn't good enough. He thought to himself, how can I make the American people think less of me? I could just jibber-jabber about getting the vaccine so we can all get back to normal, but get your booster so we can get back to normal, get your second booster so we can get back to normal, maybe stay in your house for another three years so we can get back to normal. See, he could have gone that route. Uh, I, I'm surprised he didn't blame Russian aggression on COVID or global warming, to be honest with you. But, Mr. Robinette Biden, being the intellectual juggernaut we know him to be, being brave and strong, and yes, as James Carville said, full of stamina. See, and, and I think Carville 
took a page out of Biden's book because when Joe Biden spoke of Obama, remember back then with the red line in Syria? Barack has a big stick and he knows how to use it. Apparently not. Apparently Michelle has a bigger stick than Barack. I don't know. These are all conspiracy theories. I know the people that were on the edge right now, I just lost you. All, all the folks without a sense of humor just tuned it up. Oh, my goodness, look at that. That's almost salacious. Patrick, I can't believe you listened to him. That's almost, let's, you know what? I'm sorry, but I can't. I'm going to go back to my videos of Beth Moore telling me I'm a queen, okay? Patrick, you can, you can stay with your salaciousness. Anyway, like I said, if you don't have a sense of humor, eh, maybe this is not the show for you. Uh, and uh, we're going to get through this, but my, my, my little brother, who, who, who is a man of uh, substantial intellect, uh, had, had a, a decent point to make uh, because let, let's read this first. Okay, short shorthand. Joe Biden just gave the Russians a green light to ransack Ukraine. But the way he worded it, and, and my brother made a good point. We're going to get to that because it's, uh, oh, my. President Joe Biden appeared to give up the idea of stopping Russian President Vladimir Putin from invading Ukraine, telling reporters at a press conference Wednesday that he will move in, he has to do something. Let that sink in. We went from this far, no further. Go ask Corn Pop. Go ask Corn Pop. What happens to the man that tussles with me? This, this dawdling old fool basically says to Putin, yeah, I know what you're going to do. You got to do something. Uh, I guess we'll just uh, la-dee-da, pretend it didn't happen. Telling reporters at a press conference Wednesday that he will move in, he has to do something. Again, American prophetic, I told you, I told you, I told you. There is nothing that we will do. And honestly, when you look at the fact that all of westernized Europe is keeping silent because they won't do anything either. Because if Putin wakes up on the wrong side of the bed one morning and turns off the gas to the Germans, half a Germany's going to freeze to death? Yeah. Why should we do anything? Other than the fact that they're allies and this is the second ally nation that we threw under the bus. Look at Taiwan first. But hey, you know, we're, we're saving up our courage and our bravery. We are. We really are. We're saving it up, and when it's time to unleash, why, we may even be lions for a day. Biden answered questions at a special press conference to mark the first year of his presidency. He was asked several questions about the crisis in Eastern Europe and what he would do to stop Russia from invading Ukraine. Asked whether the U.S. and NATO had lost their leverage over Russia. They never had leverage. Stop. The Russians don't care about your economic sanctions. You're not buying their gas. Europe is. Are you going to force Europe to freeze to death? You're not. The Russians are going to have money, so shut up. But anyway, let's continue. I, oh, my good Patrick. Beth Moore would never tell me to shut up. I know. See, there you go. But has Beth Moore ever been American prophetic and right? And right? There you go. Uh-huh. All right. Let's continue. Biden at first defended his threat to impose economic sanctions. He's never seen sanctions like the ones I've promised will be imposed if he moves. Indeed, sir, indeed. Well played. Putin is shaking in his vodka-filled boots. He pledged that there would be severe economic consequences and that Russian banks could be restricted 
from using dollars in transactions. Now, I'm going to stop here and give you a hypothetical. Because Mr. Robinette's brain is so addled that he thinks everyone's on our side. And the Russians are the odd man out. The Russians decide to lean on OPEC to switch from the dollar as their main currency. It'll hurt us a lot more than it will hurt Russia if Russian banks were restricted from using the U.S. dollar in transactions. Just a thought. But Biden seemed to concede that Russia might invade and that the U.S. reaction might depend on whether it was a minor incursion or something more significant. He warned that Russia would suffer consequential casualties in fighting Ukraine, suggesting that Russia would pay a heavy internal price from a prolonged occupation of a foreign country. David Sanger of the New York Times then asked Biden if he still thought the last thing Putin wants is a Cold War. Oh yeah, remember that nugget? referring to a comment Biden made last year. Biden responded that he did not think Putin wanted a full-blown war, but that he thought Putin would test the West, test the United States and NATO, though he would pay a serious and dear price and would regret having invaded Ukraine. This is how dumb this man is. With everything that's going on globally, this is his conclusion. He is trying to find his place in the world between China and the West. No, he's aligning his interest with China to come against the West. There's a big difference there. But that he thought Putin would... uh, We read that. I'm not so sure he's certain what he's going to do. My guess is he will move in. He has to do something. This is your president. Beth Moore, this is your president. Biden said he was willing to compromise with Putin on questions of banning NATO from placing strategic weapons in Ukraine and added that it was not likely Ukraine would be admitted to membership in NATO. Again, throwing him under the bus. But I think, as usual, he's going to, I probably shouldn't go any further, I think it'll hurt him badly. Later, Biden was asked whether his apparent willingness to tolerate a minor incursion, and this is, this is my brother's point, because this this, Biden did say, well, you know, I mean, if it's a minor incursion, we can overlook it, you know, we'll turn a blind eye. It's a minor incursion. Uh, how, how do you quantify minor incursion? Is there a textbook definition for minor incursion? What is it? 20% of the country? 40% of the country? Anything over 50? Anything over 75? Minor incursion that you are willing to tolerate it and then tell Ukraine, yeah, they're probably not going to let you into NATO anyway. So pretty much you're on your own and stuff. But uh, if, if they do come and slaughter all of you, and I still deem it as a minor incursion, I'm, I'm going to be hands off. Now, if they slaughter all of you, and, and I see it as uh, something more than a minor incursion, well, you could just imagine the severe economic consequences. That's all I'm going to say. I shouldn't say anything more. Look, this entire administration is made up of crazy people and buffoons. There is no hope for redress here, and I'm sad and heartbroken for the Ukrainian people because they're about to no betrayal by the greatest nation in the world. And I told you this would happen. Now, last night's press conference was uh, also labeled incoherent and catastrophic. And uh, it has been rightly asserted by certain U.S. senators that 
Joe Biden just gave the green light to Russia to invade Ukraine. Uh, when I was wargaming this with, with, with some friends, I said they'd wait till after Christmas and New Year because the, the, they're big holidays in Russia. Uh, it's January the 20th. Christmas and New Year are past. So uh, I, I would be looking for things to heat up on that front. But to my brother's point, what exactly qualifies as a minor incursion. See, it's whenever they know they're not going to do anything about anything, uh, there is an aura of vagueness that just permeates everything. It's a minor incursion. Anything can be defined as a minor incursion, can't it? But that's the way they like it. Now, to you know, complete the trifecta of lunacy, because we discussed this as well. Pardon me as I sip my delicious beverage. Uh, they're already laying the groundwork to delegitimize uh, the midterm elections in 2022. They can sense what's coming. Look, you can do a lot of things and people will overlook it. You can do a lot of things and people will ignore it. But when people go to the store and spend $100 for what they used to spend $60 on, when people's livelihoods get decimated because octogenarians would rather sacrifice the generation of the young and have an illusion of safety than allow the young to move on with their lives and go back to their jobs and do the things that people do in a functioning society. That's, that's, when I think about it, that's like one of the scariest things of all. Is that the old, the aged in this country, have no qualms about sacrificing the future of the young for their own perceived safety. It's like seeing a 70-year-old man grab a 5-year-old child and use them as a shield when they're being shot at. Under, and, and we talked about this. Understand that the issue of mental health, the issue of, of prepubescent children being able to normally socialize has been stunted already by years. But they're keeping they keep pushing this, and they keep pushing this, because, look, I don't know how these people live with themselves, just in a constant panic over everything, terrified of their own shadow. They must drink Pepto-Bismol by the gallon, because if it's not one thing, it's another that's going to kill them. If, if it's not the COVIDs, it's global warming. If it's not global warming, it's global cooling. Something's going to kill us all. And the media feeds into this narrative because it's profitable to them. So even uh, Mr. Robinette, Biden's most ardent defenders, are saying that his uh, messaging was foggy and meandering. Well, that's putting it mildly. There is uh, a, another article that I ran across that um, puts it a little more into perspective. 
It said, uh, uh, Joe Biden's loose lips may lead us to war. Unless you're ready and willing to back up your threats with action, keep your mouth shut. Empty threats only serve to embolden the enemy. And guys like Putin are not afraid of empty threats. We're backing ourselves into a corner in so many different areas that if we manage to pull out of this death spiral, it will have been the hand of God and the hand of God alone. Now, since we're running out of time, I'm not going to have enough leeway to cover one more thing that I ran across. And that is the dangers of nepotism in ministry and in church. An Indiana church is on the lookout for a new leadership following the resignation of three of its elders and its pastor who are under investigation after being accused of failing to appropriately address reports that the pastor's underaged family member had sexually abused up to 15 children. Let that sink in. Because, see, we keep pointing the finger at the godless. Oh, look at how evil they are. This was happening in a church. The pastor's underage family member allegedly sexually abused up to 15 children. And the first reaction of God-fearing people was to cover it up. Pastor Jared Olivetti and ex-elders Keith McGill and Ben Larson and David Carr of West Lafayette's Emmanuel Reformed Presbyterian Church have issued their resignations following allegations of mishandling reports of abuse. The congregation was told during Sunday's service. Ken DeJong, who served as Emmanuel's provisional moderator, made the announcement. We want to make sure everyone here knows that what transpired this week, especially yesterday, DeJong said. At the congregational meeting yesterday, elders Keith, Ben, and David resigned. And the session received this resignation, and it's effective tomorrow, so there's still elders today. Pastor Jared Olivetti has also submitted his resignation, which will be processed through the presbytery over the next couple of weeks. He added that the four issued their resignation very reluctantly. Why reluctantly? If you covered up the abuse of 15 children, why would you be reluctant? about walking away in shame. These are the times that we live in. These are the sorts of situations that we must contend with. And if this is happening in the church, if these things are happening within the body, what rightful expectation can we have of the world to be any better. I keep telling you the same thing over and over again every week. We're headed for some dark waters, both internally, externally, nationally, internationally, within the church and without the church. And throughout all this, The one thing we can do, in fact, the only thing we can do, is cling to the author of our salvation, 
is cling to Christ and make certain that anything we allow in our hearts, anything we allow to take root, has been vetted through the prism of the gospel. Uh, I know we've had requests for my little brother to join me on the program to talk about Ukraine. I'm still trying to twist his arm to doing that, but I'm getting old and he's still young and strong, so uh, I, I, I haven't sufficiently twisted yet. Perhaps next week, but for now, thank you for listening. Thank you for being with us. May God bless you. May God keep you. Oh, yeah, jobless claims are up. But, hey, who would have thunk that would happen, huh? So, thank you for joining us. American Prophetic, out. Gino, if you've got anything to say, the floor is yours. Thank you, Mike. As Timothy says, we're in perilous times. And when you hear about church leadership attack, assaulting kids, it's absolutely upsetting. I asked him too many times, why, why is the judgment coming to America? And he would say it's because of sin in the church. Churches that have gay pride parades, churches that have gay pride flags, churches that march in them, churches that are pro-abortion, they're not a small amount of churches that are involved in this wickedness. They pride themselves. And we love everybody. Everybody's good with God. And then we wonder why Babylon's falling like a star. And Revelation 18 says it's the home of every foul spirit and unclean and uncaged bird. That's America. The America that should know better. And in our leadership, you know, to me, if you're okay with infanticide and abortion and gay marriage, what is the spirit inside of you? These leaders, even Biden, I go to the Catholic Church, whoopee. You could be so full of bad spirits, unclean spirit. The Holy Spirit of God living in us would never tolerate out of our mouth or our actions killing the preborn. Would never tolerate saying gay marriage is okay. Never say open up your southern borders and anybody can come in after you've had two of your largest towers in New York crumble because of jihad, you know, jihad. And yet this is where America's at and it, it, we need prayer and we need to soberly assess where we're at as a country and the church and should be the arm of God's hand showing the way of God to the world and be above reproach. And so I'm totally with Mike. It's, it's upsetting that these sins go on in the church. But you know what the word of God says? Perilous times will come in the last days. Men will be what? Lovers of themselves, covetous, boasters, proud blasphemers, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, and what? Turn away from the power of God. They will deny the power of God from which we should turn away from that teaching and people like that that espouse that. Go to HandyHelp.com and check out the message for America. It's very apropos for the hour we're in. Thank you for listening to the Light of Truth radio broadcast. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast, The Light of Truth with Michael Baldea. If you would like to order a copy of today's broadcast, please visit our website at handofhelp.com if you have questions about our ministry, you can email us at handofhelpoffice at aol.com or simply call us at 920-206-9910. God bless you.
This episode is made possible by PwC. It's getting hot out here. Moving to Mercury can help move your business. PwC helps turn sustainability theory into real-world action. Reduce your carbon footprint while increasing transparency in net zero commitments. Start with reporting to identify your climate risks and reinvent your business. Create a more sustainable business and a stronger planet. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.